0: The Church is in Africa, at the service of reconciliation, peace and justice, the Church is This is the Africa Service of Vatican Radio.
1: Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa.
2: In this edition today, our bulletin of church news to be followed by Panorama, and then our feature of justice and peace. Today we shall close with our sports roundup. My name is Kanyan Tagodufrikampamba. Pope Francis has expressed grief for a tragic terrorist attack on Sunday during Holy Mass at a Catholic church and for an attack perpetrated against a mosque in Burkina Faso as Muslim worshippers gathered for morning prayers. In a telegram signed and sent on his behalf by Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin, the Pope reiterated his firm belief that hatred is not the solution to conflicts. The Pope's words of closeness come as the Christian community in the West African nation was shattered by the violent massacre of 15 worshippers in a Catholic church in Essakane, in the far north of the country on Sunday. A second attack took place at a mosque in Nosyabwani in eastern Burkina Faso in which dozens were killed on the same day. In the telegram addressed to Bishop Laurent Dabire president of the bishop's conference of burkina faso and niger the pope said he was deeply saddened by the loss of human life caused by the attacks and that he joins in the mourning of the families he said further that he prayed for the repose of the deceased entrusting them to god's mercy and for the healing of the injured the holy father's telegram concluded with the invocation of divine blessings for the sons and daughters of burkina faso and the nation as a whole. And in his Twitter message on Tuesday, the Holy Father appealed for prayers for those who suffered and killed because of their faith. Let us pray together that those who risked their lives for the gospel in various parts of the world might permeate the church with their courage and missionary drive. Tuesday, 27 February, marked one year after the migrant shipwreck off the shores of the southern Italian town of Cutro, 100 men and women and children drowned that day, exposing the fact that migrants seeking safety and reception in Italy still face closed ports, mistreatment and ever more precarious conditions. Deborah Lubav reports,
3: at 4 a.m. this morning, the exact moment that a year ago a migrant-carrying boat sank, just a 100 meters from the Italian shore, claiming the lives of nearly a 100 men, women, and children, there was a prayer-filled ceremony on the beach of Cutro to remember them. Yet, the episode still feels as though it were only yesterday politicians, church representatives, survivors, and relatives of the dead and missing and many people from the town participated at the ceremony. Stuffed animals were at the site to remember the children who died the sorrow at Cutro is palpable but it is not only about Cutro but the scores of tragedies afflicting migrants headed toward Italy Pope Francis has numerous times decried the Mediterranean Sea as a cemetery where countless migrants who have fled from their homes in pursuit of better lives have met their demise in addition to his words however the Holy Father has offered his message of closeness to migrants personally through a series of poignant visits starting with his journey to the southern Italian island of Lampedusa to Lesbo, Greece, and most recently to the southern French port city of Marseille. According to Italy's Minister for the Interior, in 2023, more than 157,000 people reached Italy by boat. While the number of migrant boats arriving toward Italian territory continues to soar, there is no guarantee for welcome. Rather, Italy's government always advocating for less migrant entries has passed a controversial measure in Senate that would ship migrants to Albania. Migrants arriving by boat toward Italy would be sent to Italian-run centers on Albanian soil. Moreover, the price paid by those registered and detained in Italy is always greater, with problematic conditions at detention centers. At a center near Rome earlier this month, a 21-year-old man took his life. Another major issue concerns the fact that rescue boats are often blocked from accessing where needed in such a way that often leaves migrants stranded at sea. I'm Deborah Castellana Lubav.
2: The World Union of Catholic Women's Organizations, WUKWO, on Tuesday, February 27th, launched its School of Synodality with the theme The Mission of Women in the Synodal Church. This is a new initiative organized through the group's World Observatory of Women. The project, according to a press release from the organization, will start with a series of webinars from February 27th to 29th in Spanish, English, and French. The topic will be the progress of the synodal process and the fundamental contents of chapter 9 of the synthesis report in the first session of the Synod Assembly, Women in the Life and Mission of the Church. This will also promote the application of synodal methodology in the church with particular attention to the full participation of women. The Archbishop of Kinshasa, Cardinal Fridolin Ambongo, has condemned countries that neighbor the Democratic Republic of Congo for conniving with multinationals in order to rob the country of its natural resources. As a result, he said, large parts of the Democratic Republic of Congo are experiencing protracted violence. He called on the international community to help in restoring the Central African country's territorial integrity. He said this in his homily when he celebrated Mass for Peace in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo on February 24th, when he asserted the fact that peace in the embattled region would only be achieved if the country's neighbors are made to stop the shameless predation of its natural resources aggressors and multinationals have joined forces to lay their hands on the congolese riches to the detriment of and in contempt of the dignity of peaceful congolese citizens created in the image and likeness of god how far would this contempt go he asked how far would the trivialization of human life however sacred go The Congolese Cardinal said during the Mass that took place at Our Lady of Congo Cathedral in the Congolese capital, Kinshasa. The February 4th Eucharistic celebration was Cardinal Ambongo's response to a request that the President of the National Episcopal Conference of Congo, Chenko, made on February 20th, encouraging the people of God in the Democratic Republic of Congo to intensify prayers for peace, and for local ordinaries to offer holy mass for peace in the eastern part of the country united nations secretary general antonio guterres has warned that the world is becoming less safe by the day and has called for governments to work for peace and security that is rooted in human rights christopher wells reports
1: United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres says combatants in places such as Congo, Gaza, Myanmar, Ukraine, and Sudan are turning a blind eye to international law as he made a plea for greater respect for human rights and peace around the world. Speaking as the UN's top human rights body opened its latest session, Guterres warned Monday that the world is becoming a less safe by the day. Our world is changing at warp speed, he told the Human Rights Council. The multiplication of conflicts is causing unprecedented suffering, but human rights are a constant. The U.N. chief said attacks on human rights take many forms, and reiterated his frequent calls for debt relief for some of the world's poorest countries and for greater spending to fight climate change. He defended UNRWA, the Agency for Palestinian Refugees, as the backbone of aid efforts in Gaza at a time when top Israeli authorities have called for the organization to be dismantled. The United Nations Human Rights Chief Volker Turk also lashed out at attempts to undermine the legitimacy and work of the United Nations and its affiliates. The UN has become a lightning rod for manipulative propaganda and a scapegoat for policy failures, he said. This is profoundly destructive of the common good, and it callously betrays the many people whose lives rely on it. The Council was kicking off a six-week session on Monday as crises of human rights abound throughout the world. I'm Christopher
2: Wells. You are tuned to the daily Africa service of Vatican Radio.
3: African News Panorama.
0: An umbrella trade union in Nigeria, known as the Nigeria Labor Congress, began a two-day strike on Tuesday to protest against hunger and insecurity across the country. The protest started in the city of Lagos, the commercial capital of Nigeria. The strike follows demonstrations triggered by the rising cost of living. The trade union believes the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank are to blame for Nigeria's current economic problems and has demanded that the government abandons the policies imposed by the two international lending institutions. On Monday, Nigeria's Minister for Finance, Wale Edunu, announced the resumption of direct cash transfers to over 12 million vulnerable households to help them cope with the rising cost of living. The President of Kenya, William Ruto, and the Kenyan opposition leader, Raila Odinga, visited Uganda on Monday to seek President Yoweri Museveni's support for Raila's candidacy for the position of chairperson of the African Union Commission, which runs the day-to-day diplomatic and other affairs of the union. The term of office of the current chairperson, Musafaki, expires in February next year. Mr. Mosefini is reported to have endorsed Mr. Odinga. The meeting came as a surprise given that Mr. Odinga has been leading nationwide protests in Kenya against the government of Mr. Ruto. Reports from Benin say the government there has offered to contribute 2,000 troops to a United Nations approved multinational security force for Haiti that will be led by Kenya. The force is key to helping the Haitian national police to restore peace and security, to enable the country to organize free and fair elections, and to alleviate the ongoing humanitarian crisis in the country. The deployment had been scheduled to begin this month, but it was delayed after a Kenyan court declared it illegal. Gang violence in Haiti has made the country insecure after gang leaders divided parts of the nation into spheres of influence where they extort money from civilians and assassinate whoever they consider a threat. The president of Senegal, Marquis Sali, has proposed a general amnesty bill for political protesters who have been jailed since 2021. The president is facing a backlash from his decision early this month to suspend the presidential election. He said on Monday that he had started a national dialogue with the different political groups for reconciliation. The Constitutional Court ruled this month that Mr. Sall's decision to postpone the presidential election was illegal and ordered that the vote takes place as soon as possible, stressing also that the president must leave office in April this year when his second and last term of office expires. However, Mr. Sall has cast doubt on the possibility of organizing the election before April, And he said on Monday that only two of the 19 presidential candidates, including his hand-picked successor, Prime Minister Amadou Bam, had accepted his invitation to the dialogue. And now, our feature, Justice and Peace. As you heard on this program, the 37th Summit of the African Union Heads of State and Government ended in the Ethiopian capital, Addis Ababa, on 18th this month. One of the key guests at the summit was Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Rula da Silva. His visit was intended to reactivate bilateral ties between Brazil and Africa. The ties began in 2003 when he became president and continued to strengthen up to the end of his second term of office in 2010. His successor, Dilma Rousseff, strengthened them further, but after her impeachment in 2016, they declined, and even suffered more decline when a right-wing extremist, Jaya Messiah Bolsonaro, was elected president in 2019. In his speech to the heads of state and government, Mr. Rula said he had come to reaffirm the partnership and bond between his country and Africa, noting that Africa and Brazil have much in common. The first thing they have in common is that half of the total population of Brazil, that is about 100 million people, are descendants of African slaves who were taken to Brazil by Portuguese slave traders during the transatlantic slave trade. The second thing Brazil shares in common with Africa is that although Brazil is no longer a developing country, she and Africa are both determined to improve the living conditions of their people by fighting poverty and by investing in appropriate development projects. A luta africana tem muito in comum com os desafios e a luta do povo brasileiro. Brazil assumed the presidency of the G20 countries on December 1st last year. In his speech at the African Union summit, President Rula defended the entry of more African countries as full members of the G20, pointing out that the African continent is indispensable for the cohesion and progress of the global south. The Global South is a term used to refer to nations of the world that are regarded as having a relatively low level of economic and industrial development and are typically located to the south of more industrialized countries. Mr. Rura said Africans and Brazilians must chart their own path within the emerging world order by creating a new global governance that is capable of facing the challenges of the time. Western theories of development are no longer applicable and attempts to restore an international system based on ideological blocks will not succeed, he warned. Agriculture and industrial development must go hand in hand and become part of public policies in all sectors, he said. He stressed that development cannot be a privilege of the few and explained that without the participation of developing countries, it will not be possible to open any new cycle of global expansion, combining increased freedoms, economic growth, environmental protection, and reduced inequality. Some 400 million hectares espalhados por more than 25 countries. Mr. Runa highlighted Africa's rich resources, growing economies and vibrant cultures as pillars of opportunity for collaboration and growth. One of his objectives during the visit to the African Union was to establish a global alliance against hunger and poverty. In his speech, he alerted African leaders that there will be no stability or democracy on the continent if hunger and unemployment remain. Africa, he said, has millions of hectares of fertile land, which, if utilized in the appropriate ways, has the potential to produce food to feed all Africans and to export surplus to the rest of the world to offset hunger. He emphasized the importance of African countries and Brazil in the fight against climate change, pointing out that the current international instruments are not sufficient to effectively protect forests, their biodiversity, and the people who live in them. He proposed that alongside African partners, Brazil wants to develop and construct a family of satellites to monitor deforestation. And to cut out this, his government is going to create a cooperation outpost with the African Union in sectors such as agricultural research, health, education, environment, and science and technology.
2: If... ...reflete o caráter obsoleto das instituições financeiras como FMI e o Banco Mundial.
0: Mr. Rura criticised international lending institutions, especially the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank calling them outdated for putting in place policies that have trapped many developing countries into an indefinite cycle of debts instead of cancelling those unfair and unpayable debts and transform them into concrete assets by letting countries use the money to construct highways, railways, hydroelectric plants, wind and solar energy parks, green hydrogen plants, and energy transmission networks that benefit all. He called for access to vaccines, healthy investments, debt renegotiation by developing countries, and warned about the monopolization of technologies such as artificial intelligence, stating that artificial intelligence cannot be controlled by a few countries and companies. He promised that Brazil would promote G20 interaction with the high-level panel created by the United Nations to support discussions on the Global Digital Compact. In this way, he hopes to contribute to effective and multilateral governance in artificial intelligence that fully incorporates the interests of the Global South. He expressed the need for a strengthened United Nations, including a Security Council, with greater representation from Africa and Latin American countries. Concluding his speech, Mr. Rula said he would cooperate with Africa to restore political and economic sovereignty, promote participatory democracy, combat hunger and poverty, and to provide inclusive education. He assured African countries that Brazil has no intention to dominate them or to tell them what to do. Brazil is currently studying plans to restructure and partially forgive some African countries such as Ghana, Mozambique and Senegal the loans they have taken from it. President Rula believes that wealthier creditors can do the same. Before visiting the African Union, Mr. Rula had visited Egypt and Ethiopia, two countries that have been admitted to the BRICS group. Whose other members are Russia, South Africa, India, Brazil, China, Iran, and the United Arab Emirates. And with that, we come to the end of this week's edition of Justice and Peace. This has been Johnny Baptist Thomas Sime.
2: This is a sports roundup of welcome to the program. My name is Kenyan Devod Mpamba. The Super Falcons of Nigeria on Monday secured a hard-fought 1-0 victory over Cameroon's Indomitable lionesses as they continued their quest for a fourth Olympic Games ticket. The slim win at the Mko Abiola Stadium in Abuja ensured the Super Falcons advanced to the final round of the African qualifiers for the Women's Football Tournament, where they will probably face familiar foes in South Africa's Banyana Banyana who defeated Tanzania 3-0 in the first leg. Malawi Beach Soccer National Team will return to Council of Southern African Football Association Kosafa Beach Soccer Championship set for March 7 twenty-third in Deben in South Africa. Malawi's return comes after missing the past two editions in 2021 and 2022 due to financial problems. The Football Association of Malawi said in a statement released on Monday that the team will camp on Wednesday following coach Willie Kumilambe's release of a 25-member provisional squad to camp in preparation for the tournament. Kumilambe has included 10 players who were part of the 2022 Beach Soccer African final squad in Vilankulo in Mozambique. Speaking in a separate interview over the call-up the Malawi beach soccer coach said he is confident that the players drawn from nationwide are active. The unique ability of sports to transcend linguistic cultural and social barriers makes it an excellent platform for strategies of inclusion and adaptation. Furthermore, the universal popularity of sport and its physical, social, and economic development benefits make it an ideal tool for fostering the inclusion and well-being of persons with disabilities. Sara Minkara is a special advisor on disability at the United States State Department. She recently visited the Vatican where she was a guest of the Atletica Vaticana of Vatican Athletics. The aim of the meeting in Rome was to discuss preparations for the upcoming G7 Summit on Disability, which will be hosted by Italy later this year. Following that meeting with Vatican Athletics, Minkara, in a special interview, told Vatican Radio's Joseph Tulok that through sport, persons with disabilities acquire vital social skills, develop independence, and become empowered to act as agents of change.
4: So sports can definitely play a huge role in disability inclusion and also diplomacy and bridging the gap within our society. It get, creates a space where people can really tap into their self-identity, their empowerment, their teamwork, their engagements with others. And I think when we do adaptive sports and create that space for persons with disabilities to engage in sports, it really allows for more amazing, inclusive, productive, authentic, and empowering spaces for all, all of us to come together. And I think there's so much power behind that.
0: And I, I believe you're from a Muslim background. And ah, since we're here yes. in the Vatican, I thought I'd ask you yes. what role, if any, your faith plays in, in the very important work that you do.
4: I think, so faith plays a huge role in a lot of our uh, communities. Um, the faith-based sector is one of the most important sectors for any of, any, a lot of communities where... We want to be able to find the faith community a space for us to go there, find a community, engage, learn, spiritual engagement. And there's also a lot of narrative that's created through the faith-based community as well. So we need to make sure... Our faith-based community are inclusive, are accessible—not just physical accessibility, but also making sure the communication accessible, the technology accessible, the cultural is accessible. The narrative is not charity, pity, I feel bad for you, but the narrative is we want you in our community, we want you in our spaces, we see the value that you bring to our spaces, and also how we talk about disability in our in our narrative is so important.
2: United States State Department Special Advice on Disabilities Sarah Minkara speaking with Vatican Radio's Joseph Tulok about the universal popularity of sport and how it is an ideal tool for fostering the inclusion and well-being of persons with disabilities. And on that note, we come to the end of today's edition of our Sports Roundup. Until next week at the same time, my name is Kanyan tagod Kampamba. This is the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Praised be Jesus Christ. Laude to Jesus Christus.